0: Welcome to the Becoming Titans podcast. I'm Russ Yeager, founder and CEO of Body Transformation University. I help busy business owners and executives get a beach-ready body without killing themselves in the gym hours every day, giving up the foods they love, or taking away time from their family or business. I believe putting your health first is the most important thing you can do to propel your business and financial success, ignite passion in your relationships, and to live a happier, more fulfilled life. Stick around to the end of the show, and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest-growing inspirational podcasts on the planet in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go! Welcome to the show. Today I have Barat Canodia, and we've been chatting before. Already having a great conversation. You guys are in for a treat. So, just a little bit about Barat. Barat has valued over 2,000 businesses and signed off on assets worth 2.6 trillion with a t in value he's appraised unique assets like golden gate bridge atlanta airport uber airbnb yahoo brooklyn bridge mirage casino among many others Barat's the founder of verisat and helps startup founders and vcs by telling them what their companies are worth he lives in the san francisco bay area with his family and enjoys sailing golfing skiing and horseback riding barat welcome to the show brother how are you today
1: Russ, thank you so much for having me. The way you say it, it sounds a bit of a mouthful. I got to cut my bio back. That, that's a bit too
0: much. No, man. It's either that we could probably make it three times as long with, with everything you've done. So congrats on your success. Appreciate you spending time with us today. So first question I want to ask, Bharat is you know, how did you get into uh, valuing businesses and, and why do you do what you do today?
1: <clears throat> By accident. Um, You know, best things in life happen to you when you least expect them. Um, So I was just graduating from college, minding my own business, just looking for a job to, you know, get myself off of daddy's payroll. Um, And along came my boss, who apparently thought that I would be a good valuation person. So I wasn't going to break the spell. So he took me on and turned out I was um, half good at it. So I stuck with it.
0: And did you have, were you, did you start Veristat at that time or you were working for somebody else?
1: No, no, I was working for somebody else. I was working for a company called American Appraisal, which was at that time, the largest and the oldest and the most prestigious valuation firm in the world. So I lucked out um, and I started my firm in 2010.
0: Awesome. And so, so is it, am I right? You've had the same, basically this, even different companies, obviously now your own company, and we're going to get into to that transition. Cause that's always a big, big deal for a lot of people, but you've been in the same industry your entire career. I have, school, I have,
1: which is, so which I, is I, a rarity. I have seen this industry inside out.
0: That's a, yeah, that's a rarity. Most people like, you know, jump around. I started in accounting, although, you know, and then I, I you know, did the fitness thing, which I've been doing for the past 20 years. And so tell us, you know, your journey. I want to hear a lot of people, you know, start off working for a company, you know, they're learning, they're growing, they're making more and more money, climbing that corporate ladder. How did you make that transition into owning your own company? What was your thought process, you know, and, and, um, you know, how, how did you basically get yourself to make that move?
1: You know, between 2008 and 2010, I was working for a company called Silicon Valley Bank, which is still the 800 pound gorilla in the venture capital world here in San Francisco Bay Area. And I was very lucky. Um, uh, They brought me on as a director and every day, all day, I would talk to entrepreneurs uh, about their companies. And uh, after a couple of years of speaking to these entrepreneurs on a daily basis, I was like, well, these fuckers aren't better than me. I mean if they can do it, I can do it. So one day I just said, all right, hell with it, I'm just gonna do it. most people just think about it. I was just crazy enough to pull the trigger. Um, so I just quit my job in 2010, which was like the worst time to quit your job. Um, people in my family thought I got fired and I was like, no, I didn't get fired. I I, I, I literally quit my job. I mean, They were like, why would you quit your job? I'm like, because I want to start my business. So it it was a fantastic time. I mean, of course, the first couple of years were rough. I mean, it was very rough. But then after the 24th month, we broke even. Uh, First time we were at zero net. And then it just sort of climbed from there. And in uh, 2013, I was making more money than I had made ever as a job um, and t- by 2013 we were netting uh, 250,000 uh, net profits straight to the bottom line next year we were double that and just went on from there
0: that's awesome man it's you know it's going out it, it takes a, a leap of faith at campaign out challenging in the beginning you know I, I left in 2000 uh, went to 2006. So a little before we, I left my accounting job, you know, I was on my way to six figures, and you know, which at that time was a lot of money, still a lot of money. But, uh, you know, and I went to zero or, or really less than zero, right? Because you take on the debt and, and the risk and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, within a few years, like yourself, I was making more money than I ever did as accountant, and uh, just went up from there and and doing something that I enjoy that that makes a difference. But there's all you said something important, like you said, Oh, it's a bad time. Like what I found, there's always a reason not to do something, you know, whether it's- oh, it's never with, a good time. Yeah, or with my there's... clients. Well, I can't start. I had a lady the other day. I'm, I I want to work with you. I want to get in shape. I need to get in shape. This is the most important thing in my life. But wait, I need to get through this first. And I said, Lita, no, you need to start now because you said you want to make this a lifestyle change. So you, if you can do it now while things are tough, then that means you're going to be able to do it when things are easy. And, and it clicked for her and she she moved forward and she, she's doing great. Uh, but there's always a reason not to do it, and there's always a reason to do it. It's up to us to decide you know what that reason is. Um, so tell us what are three, you know you, you've had a, a lot of success. Brought. What are two or three success principles that you use um, that maybe they can be the same, but maybe something different than you hear from, you know everybody else.
1: I'll tell you three principles that I follow, and I shared this in my TEDx talk um i'll share the link um you can put that in the show notes and the three principles are etc et etc um first is lure of the extraordinary two is finding a tribe and three is the power of consistency um the lure of the extraordinary is you want to do something different you want to put yourself out there and set an ambition set an ambition that is so crazy that makes people question your sanity. You want to do it. I mean, when Elon said, I'm going to, you know, create Tesla or, you know, people probably laughed at him. People at general motors are probably just, you know, rolling on the floor. And when he said, I'm going to create a rocket and people at NASA are saying like, really, we've been doing this for fucking 50 years. Really? You schmuck, you're going to make a rocket. Um, Or when, um, or, or any entrepreneur, right, on their journey, when they set out to do it, everybody thought they were crazy. So go for the crazy. It's good for you. And second is find the people who believe in you. Work with them. There will always be people who will doubt you, dismiss you, and laugh at you. Don't worry about them. Just think of them as background noise. There will be people who will be inspired by you focus on them so look for when people say no you can do it that's your guy that's the guy you want to hang on to and the, when the guy somebody says oh, really you want to do it and it could be your father it could be your mom it could be your, anybody your friend don't worry about it they're still your friends they're just not your tribe you know when somebody says oh that's a good idea that makes me excited talk to that guy about your idea and the third You got to do it. As you said, it's consistency. You got to do it. It doesn't matter how you feel, good or bad. You got to do it daily because the tribe you have believes in you because they see you putting in the work. I mean, you can't just wake up one day and say, I don't feel like doing it today. No, the spell would have been broken, right? So you got to keep doing it with consistency. So for example, I meditate. Um, When I started to meditate, I didn't think I had time. But no, I have time. I just didn't do it. When I I do yoga, I didn't think I have time. I have time. I just didn't want to do it. I read. I didn't think I had time. I just didn't want to do it. I have time. So um, consistency is very important. So ETC, extraordinary tribe consistency. Mm -hmm.
0: I love it, etc. Yeah, we'll definitely get that uh, TED talk uh, in the uh, in uh, show notes, so you guys can check that out. Uh, I always talk about it. Consistency is the you know number one success factor in you know getting the body health, energy you want, and and really anything that you want. I did a video yesterday. You're talking about consistency isn't driven by motivation. People, you know, ask, man, Russ, You're positive. You're happy all the time. No. You know, I'm consistent, though. I do what I need to do even when I don't feel like it. And that's the real difference maker. I appreciate you sharing that. You also mentioned team. That's huge. Um, so how how do you find people who, you know, are drawn into your vision? And I was thinking of Elon immediately when you started saying doing something outrageous. That was who I was picturing in mind, and used the same example. So it, it shows, man, when people go out there, you know, at first they're going to be doubted then ridiculed you know, made fun of, but then eventually they, they do it. And now they're the richest and one of the most famous people in the world. Right. Um, So So in my
1: life, I've cut off a lot of people who I don't think are part of my tribe. You know, people who I thought weren't believing in what I was believing, I've cut them off. They're not in my purview. They're just in my world. They don't exist. It's not like I fought with them. It's not like, you know, we, you know, had a powwow. No, they just, they're not important to me so they don't exist. Yeah. I'll respond to their email. I'll say hello to them at parties, but I won't initiate anything.
0: Yeah. So I think I think I know the answer to this, but when you've got um how important is it to you to have people that are believe in your vision right there with you within your company? I guess there is no ask you, is there any room for people who aren't all bought in in your company? No. And and how do you, you know, manage that, you know, with having to get all the work done when you've got, you know, what is it? I think it's 65, 70 percent. They did studies of hundred million employees. I may not get it right. I'm pretty sure that's the number. And 60, I think it was 65% are are unengaged, you know, within their within their jobs and their careers.
1: I have tried to lead, lead I have tried to lead people who did not believe in my vision, not once or twice, many times. And it was like pulling teeth. It was horrible. And now the people I'm working with, they believe in me. They believe in what I do and believe in my team and our vision, and it's fantastic. It's a well-oiled machine. You don't have to do much. You just have to set the tone and it just goes. And with the other people, it was just like, oh, cranking every day. Come on, let's go, come on, let's go. Like, no, I don't wanna do that. I got other things to do. So now if I feel I have to crank, I just take them out, put them aside, You're not it. You're not my tribe. I'm going to find somebody else. I'd rather spend time finding somebody new who believes in the vision, who's a good, when they say it's a good fit, that that's what it is. You know, the cultural fit, that's what you're looking for. People who believe in that vision in that extraordinary.
0: Makes all the difference in the world. I've done the same thing. And you spend all of your time and energy, um, you know, on trying to get these people to see it. Whereas if you just find the right people, attract the right people that it it just like you said it flows it's natural you know the analogy i like to give is you know in the beginning i'm pushing this giant boulder up the mountain by myself and grinding it out and then you get one person in there that's right there with you wow now you're double then you get three then four and you can just get that that boulder up the mountain so
1: yeah um, versus somebody saying are you sure we can get that boulder up it's like dude you're draining our energy
0: yeah 100 100 percent so um so tell, it, tell us a little bit about, you know, more what you guys do and, you know, where people can find out more about you, Bharat. I want to make sure we don't miss that. And I've got a few more questions for you to finish. So out. we
1: do valuations and we do valuations. If a founder is looking to raise capital, debt or equity, step number one for them is finding what their company is worth. If a business owner is looking to buy a business or sell a business, step number one is knowing what their business is worth. Um, and we help with that. Um and business has been great. Money is cheap, still cheap, even though it's not cheap as it used to be, but it still is cheap. Um, so there are M; transactions happening. Um, and we do valuations for say, gift and estate taxes or for MA, all kinds of reasons.
0: Awesome. And do you you, would you say that um, one of the biggest mistakes, you know, specifically small companies make myself included when I started is not thinking about their exit when they're going into business?
1: Most definitely. Most definitely. I mean, you always want to have an exit plan, right? I mean, um, you don't climb a mountain not thinking about how you're going to come down, you know, going to the summit is halfway point, not the end point. So whenever you start a business, you have to think about how are you going to exit that business? Um, That's most important um, because, uh, you know, the world has changed, you know, your children or your spouse may not want that business. You know, it's not like, um, you know, the Rockefellers or somebody, right? No, but not the next generation doesn't want that business. Maybe your employees don't want that business after you. So you got to figure out an exit plan.
0: Yeah. So what's if you've got somebody that's, you know, they've got a business going, they got a good business, they're making money, like a lot of our listeners, um, but they haven't thought about an exit plan, what's the first step, you know, they can take to, you know, start to to think in that way?
1: You got to do two things. And if somebody tells you otherwise, call bullshit on it, because everything they will say is going to be derivative of these two things. So these two things are almost like the primary colors, right? So if you do these two things, you're set. One. Buyers of businesses are looking to buy businesses that provide consistent cash flow. For example, in your gym business, gym membership, recurring revenue, same customer pays you again and again and again. That business is worth a lot of money. So figure out a way to set up a business model such that your customer pays you money again and again and again, kind of like a gym. Um, and second, figure out a way so that you don't have to kill yourself to service that customer or that client. So how could you do that? You could do that by multiple layers of management. You could do that by delegating things. You could do that by um, um, using software and technology, uh, whatever. I mean, you know, now not all businesses can be hundred percent automated, right. But start somewhere. 20%, 30%, 20%, 30%, like your business, right? It can't all be done by on autopilot, right? You still need to have some presence. Yeah, you have people, you have technology, but you still need to be there. Russ needs to be there at least half the time or me 25% of the time. And that's fine. Take that 50% of the time and then reduce that to 40% of the time Russ is present, then 30% of the time to Russ's presence. Try to squeeze that as much as you can. And the yeah. more you squeeze, the more valuable your business will become.
0: Yeah, having the systems and processes. Because if a, a, a business, this is what I learned, all dependent on me, then nobody's going to buy that unless I'm going to work for them forever. Sure. So you've got to create a create a system. And is it isn't it true? You could you probably know the numbers that as you you know at a certain level you know your uh, your um, multiple you know the standard multiple. I know it's different for different industries. You know changes, but once you get over is it over ten million when you you know it starts to become like a legitimate you know, business that investors are looking at. Is that, is that true?
1: 10 million in revenue or $2 million in EBITDA. That's when it becomes a legitimate business.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise it's uh, you know, you're, you're not gonna, and you know, this is, I work with Brandon Dawson, you know, Grant Cardone. And he he was saying, I don't remember what exactly the stat, I'm probably getting it wrong, but it was, I I think in the nineties percentile of most, you know, small businesses, they unfortunately end up giving their businesses away because they have no plan and they, you know, just go until they're worn out. And, and ready to to give it up and Correct. so this is something that that you know Barat can help with you guys definitely um, you know check him out uh he is and so i want to end with this Barat. you know you're a extremely successful guy you've got have an amazing company um you know you've done amazing things i know that you're even though you i could call you a titan you know you're still becoming a titan because you know you haven't reached your full potential you're going to do more unbelievable things but you're a family man too So, you know, one of the big topics is work-life balance. You know, how do you you balance everything or do you believe in work-life balance? I'd love to get you. Of course I do. Um, uh,
1: Some days are better than others, right? Just like everything else, I'm not perfect. But in general, um, I keep weekdays for work and weekends for family. Um, In fact, on weekends, Um, I don't even keep my phone with me many a times. Like if we're going somewhere, I'll deliberately leave my phone at home or leave it in the car so I'm not distracted. And it is a relief when just leave your phone. That's all you need to do. Really, nowadays, the phone is your ball and chain. So when I take the kids to the park, if I take the kids to the farmer's market or we go for pizza or something, I just leave the phone at home. My wife is like, well, you don't need your phone? I'm like, People who call me are here. I don't need my phone. You know, who's going to call me? You know, if my friends wanna call me, if they can't get a hold of me, they can call my wife. You know, it's like, so just leave your phone. That that's the trick that I've learned over the weekend at least.
0: Yeah, it's really it's just being present, you know, with with what you're doing. If you're at work, be present there. If you're, um, you know, with your family, be present there. And it's hard. And the phone is the, um, you know, the the culprit. It's an amazing tool, but it also can be that that ball and chain. So, Barat, dude, I love having you uh, on the show today. As we part, any other uh, words of advice, wisdom, inspiration you want to leave the audience with as we sign off?
1: No, call Russ. Get in shape. It's good for you.
0: <laughs> appreciate that, man. Hey, Barat, you guys make sure you check uh, Barat out. You guys, if you are running a business and you have no exit plan, um, you've got, you heard him, you've got to take that first step um, in terms of knowing, you know, what you're going to do so you don't just lose everything that you've worked so hard for. So Barat, I appreciate you, brother. Have an amazing day and we'll, we'll be talking soon, I'm sure. Thank you, Russ. Russ Yeager here. Thanks so much for listening to the Becoming Titans podcast. If you're a successful business owner, entrepreneur, or executive, consider your company as having a true purpose and would like to be a guest on this program, please visit rushyeagercom forward slash apply. And hey, if you got value out of the interview today, I'd be so grateful if you simply would share it on your favorite social media platform. And if you know someone who would be a great guest for the show, tag them on social media to let them know about it and include hashtag Becoming Titans. I love seeing you guys posts and guest suggestions. We're regularly putting out new episodes and content. So to make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and really mean a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more about what I do, go to russyeager.com or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram, all under my name. Thanks again for listening. Have an awesome day, and we'll see you next time.